Hey bowlers, you're listening to Bowl After Bowl, episode 6 on 420, Sunday, April 20th, 2014. I'm smoking bowl after bowl. And I smoke. Bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl after bowl. And I smoke. Hey everybody, welcome to a very special edition of Bowl After Bowl. It's 420 and it's Easter, it's April 20th, 2014. Uh, it's, it's unique. It's a unique day. It's a special day for many reasons. Uh, we all know Easter. It's a Christian uh, holiday celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But uh, Easter also has a lot of roots in pagan tradition. Um, most of the fun things about Easter actually are pagan. Uh, bunnies are a leftover symbol of the pagan festival of uh, um, Estre. E-O-S-T-R-E. That's my best pronunciation attempt there. But uh, she was a great northern goddess whose symbol was a rabbit. And the exchange of eggs is an ancient custom uh, celebrated by many cultures. Also hot cross buns are an ancient, uh, an ancient pagan symbol. So uh, a lot, a lot of pagan traditions have been adopted into the modern Easter celebration, uh, just a celebration of fertility and spring and rebirth. You know, it occurs at the time of the uh, the spring equinox. Uh, but 420, as many of you I'm sure know, is the uh, you know national day of smoking weed, for lack of a better term. Um, its origins started in San Rafael, California. A group of teenagers who called themselves the Waldos uh, used to use the term in connection with a plan to search for an abandoned pot crop that they had learned about. Uh, this dates back to 1971. Uh, I'm reading from Wikipedia here. Although their typical hangout spot was a wall outside the school, thus the name Waldos, uh, they designated the Louis Pasteur statue on the grounds of their high school in San Rafael as their meeting place. And at 4.20 p.m., uh, that's the time that they met. Uh, the Waldos refer to this initial plan with the phrase 420 Lewis, or 420 Louis, I'm sure. But after multiple attempts to find the crop failed, the phrase evolved in form and use, shortened to simply 420. And uh, the teens increasingly relied on the code word to refer to pot smoking in general. This is in Northern California in the 70s, so of course this spread throughout their high school and eventually around, uh, you know, the other kids that smoked weed and made it to the Grateful Dead followers, the Deadheads started saying 420, and, you know, from there, uh, it just blew up. Uh, High Times kind of picked it up. Uh, according to Wikipedia, particularly the editor Stephen Hager was responsible for bringing the Waldo story to a national audience. And uh, I think in the 90s, they wrote a lot of stories about 420 and that being, a, you know, the time. And now it's the time and the number, but also the date, April 20th. It's become a counterculture holiday in North America. People gather or gather to uh, celebrate and consume cannabis. Uh, there's plenty of smokeouts going on down around the country. Um, saw an article earlier in the San Francisco Chronicle about how there's a crackdown on the 420 celebrations in San Francisco. So hopefully everybody's staying safe out there. Uh, another thing that's going on in 420 today is the Denver Cannabis Cup. Now that cannabis is all the way legal out there in Denver, uh, they had the cannabis cup out there. It's usually traditionally it's been held a lot in Amsterdam, but they've had a couple in California, and now of course Denver would be the ideal place to host the cannabis cup. And so that's going on. That's been going on all weekend, and of course today would be the culmination of that. So I'm sure everyone is out there having a grand old time. I'm looking at HighTimes.com, and they have a few pictures of people kind of token it up in. You know, anywhere from just modest blunts to ridiculously huge spoons that they're just taking big hits out of. So I'm sure it's ridiculous out there in Denver right now. Uh, 
How rare is it to have a 420 Easter? Well, according to the Washington Post, who did all the research for me, in the next 1,000 years, Easter will fall on 420 a total of 33 times. Now, the last time it happened was in 2003, and it will happen again in 2025, but after that it won't occur again until 2087, and I will be 96 years old on that day, so perhaps I will make it, perhaps I won't, but... Uh, as the Washington Post put it, uh, this is the penultimate weedster most of us will experience in our lifetimes, uh, which I thought was very cute. Uh, looking around at some notable 420s in the past, um, in 1657, on April 20th, freedom of religion was granted to the Jews of New Amsterdam, later New York City. Uh, 1775, in the American Revolutionary War, the siege of, siege of Boston started on uh, 420. Uh, in 1836, U.S. Congress passed an act creating the Wisconsin Territory. In 1939, uh, Germany celebrated Hitler's 50th birthday as a national uh, holiday in Nazi Germany there, so Hitler was born on 420. And uh, actually, on his birthday in 1945, uh, Hitler made his last trip to the surface during his life to award Iron Crosses to boy soldiers of the Hitler Youth. Uh, in 1961, the failure of the Bay of Pigs invasion happened. And then in 1972, Apollo 16, uh, commanded by John Young, landed on the moon. And, of course, in 1999, we had the uh, Columbine Massacre. So there's a lot of interesting things that have happened on 420. Actually, in uh, 2010, also, the Deepwater Horizon exploded and started the uh, six-month-long oil spill in the Gulf, Co uh, the Gulf of Mexico. So 420 has got a lot of ups and downs uh, throughout history. But since the 70s, it's uh, been a stoner holiday as well. And we hope that you're having a good one. We hope that you're having a good time. And staying safe, you know. Don't be stupid and run around in the streets hitting once, but celebrate in a way that's beneficial to everyone. Looking up on uh, USA Today, a little story here. Uh, headline, pot smokers share highest holiday with Easter on 420. Uh, highest in little sarcastic quotes. And I'm reading through here, and uh, it looks like pastors are kind of trying to take the 420 thing and uh, switch it around, uh, you know, hijack it toward the... Uh, toward the Christian cause. In the Highland Park neighborhood of L.A., a church is using mar medical marijuana imagery and catchy wordplay to attract new worshipers to an Easter sermon series called Medicated, about seeking fulfillment through God, not drugs. Uh, and across the country in Mississippi, a church is hosting a massive concert to denounce marijuana legalization with the title Reverse 420, God Keeps Me High. This, uh, like I said, from USA Today. Uh, they have a quote in here from a pastor in Highland Park, uh, Pastor Justice Coleman of Freedom Church. Uh, says, I was sitting on a plane and I was looking at my calendar and I realized that Easter fell on 420 and I thought, man, half of my friends, they're going to be doing something else on 420. They're not going to want to come to church. So how could we put together a talk or a program that wouldn't celebrate smoking weed, but would celebrate the idea that there is so much more to life? Uh, that's what they're going to be talking about there. But I had a thought, what? Why does there have to be more to life or less to life? What does it have to, why do you have to lose the focus on the pot? Why do you have to distract people from the fact that it's 420? No one's going to forget. Everyone who wants to know knows. Everybody who wants to celebrate is going to celebrate. Why can't, uh, why can't Christians and stoners come together on this day? Why can't their uh, stoner friends show Christians how to roll a cross joint? Why can't Christians teach stoners about Genesis 129? These are the questions that I've been asking myself over the last month. And to help me answer those questions, I went over to uh, Rockbridge Christian Church, and I talked to the pastor there, Maureen Dickman, who sat down with me and had, had a wonderful conversation about uh, 
Easter and 420 and sort of the mission at her church, which is uh, to be accepting and uh, outreaching to everyone and um, how, how, how her t- church has the teachings not to sort of tell you what to do or how to live your life, but to just be a shoulder of support and a, uh, a, pl- a safe haven to come to, a place where you can go and be accepted and be yourself. So uh, I'm going to let you listen to that here interview here. Uh, this is me singing out with Maureen Dickman. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hey everybody, so we're sitting down here with uh, Maureen Dickman. She's the pastor of Rockbridge Christian Church. Uh, thanks for joining me, Maureen. Sure. Hi, Spencer. Uh, we're here sort of to talk about um, this unique crossing of uh, Eastern 420 that's coming up uh, this Sunday. And if you're listening to this episode, then it'll air on Sunday, so it's already Easter. Um, but before we get into that discussion, uh, why don't you give us a brief introduction of you and the church and sort of uh, what's all, what the church is all about and what you're all about up here. Um, well, Rockbridge was founded in um, 81, uh, so it's the newest Disciples of Christ Church in town. There's five in town. Okay. Um, and the smallest, I'd say. Well, maybe not the smallest, but um, it. But from the beginning, it's really been um, devoted to outreach, to serving others, sure. and to welcoming everybody. Now, everybody says they welcome everybody, but we really do welcome everybody, and we spell it out. We're, the, we're an open and affirming church. We were the first ones in Columbia, and I think as of now, still just two open and affirming disciples churches in our region so um so it's had this two uh both uh, welcoming everybody and reaching out to serve the community. Sure. I came in 87, at the end of 87. Uh, I was there. They'd had a, a couple as pastors and then an intentional interim for 15 months before I came. I grew up in St. Louis and um, lived there until I went to Yale Divinity School in New Haven, Connecticut in 81, same time this church was starting. Wow. And um, I finished uh, an MDiv, my MDiv, Master of Divinity there in 84 and got my my first call was as a chaplain in a retirement community up there. So I lived up there from 81 to 87 and then um, came out here at the end of 87 to accept the call to be the pastor of this church, Rockbridge Christian Church. So Great. Um, so you said before that this is uh, open and affirming. Can you kind of explain more about what that means and what that entails? Well, if you've seen any church signs, they always say, we welcome everybody, right? right? Um, but um, it's not actually true right. when you go in the doors, uh, especially for gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender people. Sure. So, uh, in um, uh, recent times, there's been a, a whole movement toward open and affirming churches. Different denominations call it different things. The Presbyterians call it more light. Methodists call it reconciling. Disciples in United Church of Christ call it uh, open and affirming. Okay. And so, um, 
there's a network of open and affirming churches within the disciples denomination, you know, and when you, uh, when, like when we, we voted to become officially open and affirming in like 2000 when we adopted our current statement of mission, which is, which says that we welcome everyone regardless of, and it lists, you know, educational uh, level, uh, economic status, uh, all, you know, gender, all that stuff, and sexual orientation. Okay. Um, so that's exactly what it means. Well, that's really cool. Um, yeah, and I know that you're totally right. Like a lot of churches do. I mean, everyone says, you know, that they're welcoming. And if you're a Christian and you're Christ-like, then you're going to be that way. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't hanging out with all the goody people, you exactly. know, in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but there is that sort of... He got in trouble of, for it, too. <laughs> right, definitely. He was an outcast by the leaders of his day. And um, so there's always that, you know, the sign says, come on in. But then once you get in, you, there's, a, there's a level of discomfort that you're made to probably feel until you just go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of come in... And if you be like us, mm-hmm. you will be welcome. But if you, you know, want to maintain your own unique individuality, you're not really welcome unless you fit with what they have. Right. And so you uh, have a safe place to sort of uh, allow people to be themselves without mm-hmm. having to compromise anything. And there were people who thought, oh, it's, it'll be the gay church. We're not a gay church. We're not majority gay. We have a lot of uh, diversity, really. We have uh, a number of... Um, um, Folks who are uh, clients of Woodhaven, they're developmentally disabled, but they're very active in the church. We have a number of um, folks who came as refugees. We sponsored some refugee families, both from Africa and from Eastern Europe. And uh, um, so, you know, uh, there's racial diversity and uh, every kind of diversity. Sure. Um, and I think that's how it ought to be. I agree. I totally agree. Um, growing up in my church, my dad was really active in uh, leading the youth program. Um, we had a youth pastor for a while, and then we didn't. But he was never... A youth pastor, but he always was a volunteer who was mm-hmm. kind of made sure that there was things for the youth to do. And um, I'm glad that you talked about a focus on missions and outreach because mm-hmm. that was always his focus was, uh, you know, get us into the inner city to some of the less privileged neighborhoods and do a cleanup. Get us into, uh, you know, uh, one time we helped put a roof on a lady's house, like mm-hmm. all these different kind of things where if you see a need, you feel a need and just really uh, be the the hands of Christ. You know, exactly. Like, like we're exactly. Exactly. to do. Mm-hmm. So um, what are some of the missions that you've participated in lately? Or? Well, we, we have an ongoing commitment to uh, several ministries here. One is the Loaves and Fishes Soup Kitchen, which is now uh, running out of the Wilkes Boulevard Methodist Church. An evening meal is served every day to 60 to 120 people there. Uh, we've been serving there since the beginning of the Soup Kitchen, and we did two nights a month um, for most of that time. Recently, they've had more churches interested in doing it, oh, that's which great. I'm all for. So sure. we gave up one of our nights, and we do it uh, on the second Monday night of every month, and we if, uh, so we'll have several different teams within the church who rotate that. They they prepare the meal, they serve it, they clean up. Um, the wardrobe is another ministry here uh, uh, on Ash Street where you can get clothing. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, and so we, we volunteer there. Uh, Fifth Street Christian Church is another disciples church here in town. African American, uh, founded in 1861, they're down on Fifth Street. Okay. And they uh, do a feed the community uh 
on a Saturday of, of once a month. And so we work with them on that. Um, so we do a lot that's ongoing here in the community. Sometimes there's special things that come up, a special, well, we do like the crop walk and things like that, that sure. community deals. Um, but we're, we're not so, we haven't done so much on mission trips, like, you know, go to another community and do right. stuff. But we do a lot within the community here. Well, I think so. that's great. Um, I think that a lot of times kids are really wrapped up in like going to Africa or going to Southeast mm-hmm. Asia or uh, these kind of things when As really... The need is only Right. I there. mean, you can find plenty of need right in your own backyard. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when you're uh, going over to these foreign places, you don't know the people, you don't know the history, you don't know uh, right. You don't know how you're being used, basically. Yeah, exactly. And um, a, lo- a lot of times, although the intent is really great, um, some of these missions end up being glorified vacations where, mm-hmm. you know, the people may or may not be uh, actually benefiting in the end. Right. So um, exactly. I really I really appreciate the local um, focus on missions because often it's overlooked. You know, our own backyard right. is overlooked. There's plenty of need right here in Columbia. It's really fun for me to see that sometimes people will post pictures of their, their kids mopping the floor down at the soup kitchen afterwards, you know. Sure, yeah. That they're really uh, into it. You That's know, great. I, yeah. it's great. And they're and these are, you know, six and eight year olds. <laughs> they're little <laughs> yeah. guys that are learning this. I definitely was one of those kids once. Yeah. <laughs> so um to take it back to the discussion, uh, our main <clears throat> sort of thesis that I wanted to hit. Um, this Sunday, at Easter, it falls on 420, which is sort of a, a nationally recognized as, not not officially, but unofficially as the stoner holiday, you know, the, mm-hmm. uh, the cannabis holiday. And um, I thought it interesting because traditionally, you know, Christians and uh, uh, stoners, cannabis consumers, whatever you want to call them, um, have often butted heads and been at odds with each other. But I wanted to sort of talk about uh, what you thought about you know ways that we could maybe find common ground and um, you know uh, I did the stand-up bit where I talked about you know maybe the stoners could get together the stoners could teach the Christians to roll cross joints and and the Christians could teach the stoners Genesis 129 which uh, talks about how God gave all the seed-bearing plants to mm-hmm. to uh, to the humans you know and it was theirs for food or you know to have to enjoy to yeah do what they will with it and nowadays we have a basically a federal government that says, well, you can have most of the seed-bearing plants, but there's a couple here that we fear you don't know what to do with. They might be too dangerous, you know, cannabis, maybe salvia, depending on what state you're in. Um, And actually, you know, real tobacco, uh, tobacco rustica is another one. Um, But certain plants are just off the list, you know. Well, isn't that fairly recent? It is. uh, You know, hemp was really widespread until... Right. Even, uh, you can look up the... In World War II, there was a big hemp for victory push where, exactly. you know, farmers mm-hmm. had to grow hemp for the war effort. And, uh, and of course, our founding fathers were hemp farmers. Right. You know, Jefferson, Washington. So, yeah, it's a recent thing, and, and it seems to me that it's connected with this. Um, um, at some point, it seems to me, the federal government has, has gotten into the fear business. Right. And uh, drugs became the great fear. Sure. Uh, fear factor, if you will. And 
years. So uh, the war on drugs has, has been a terrible thing, just a terrible thing. It's, it's really been a war on people, right. American people. And uh, it's led to much worse uh, criminal enterprises and things like that. So I don't know why uh, Christians and stoners should be natural enemies. I don't think they are. I think a, a lot of stoners are Christian and vice versa. You know? Sure, sure. Um, there's, there's certainly, I don't think, anything in the Bible that prohibits, um, you know, as you say, in Genesis, God sees creation and looks at it and says it's good, uh, and all these seed-bearing plants are for our enjoyment and so forth. Right. So, um, you know, there's there's always abuse of anything. Certainly, sure. as we saw with uh, alcohol, it, prohibiting it doesn't isn't the answer. Absolutely. So, um, it. To me, it, it makes sense that it's more, it's less harmful than alcohol. Um, and it seems to me like Christians ought to be more encouraging than discouraging. I agree. Well, uh, it's definitely good to hear uh, those kind of voices in the Christian community. Um, it, it seems like uh, all too often the Christians have been have been hijacked by the loudest and most mm-hmm. brash among them. And it's uh, an ongoing problem for me. You sure. Know, to, to say I say I'm a Christian or I say I'm a minister, I, I hesitate. Right. I don't like to because I know people have got this picture. They put on me then that I'm going to be homophobic uh judgmental right uh, it, it's 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 sort of this right-wing christian caricature that's right. developed because there are so many of those kind of folks right-wing christians who who have these agendas who are very expert at getting lots of uh, publicity right and we all get painted with it you know the majority of christians they don't speak for the majority of christians but um we all get tarred with their stuff right for sure well and um i think it's interesting because um, jesus has always been kind of a hero of mine even though I have always, you know, been hesitant as well to identify a Christian or, you know, I try to expand beyond that, uh, that label. And, um, even though I was raised a Christian, you know, traditionally I am a Christian, there's a few things, uh, with the doctrine that I've left behind or maybe that I'm not so behind, but, um, you know, I still know the Bible fairly well. And I mean, I've read it through once and, Mm -hmm. um, but I also think that there's other things out there like the Tao and like, uh, um, you know, the Bible. Bhagavad Gita and different um, different scriptures or holy texts, as they're called, that are you know worth reading and noting and learning from. As is uh, mm-hmm. plenty of more modern literature, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, getting back to the, I don't uh, think Jesus would have any problem with that. Uh, he well, uh, Jesus probably read the Tao, you know, in his time. <laughs> it was around, you know, and there's no reason to believe well, that yeah. he might not have got a hold of a copy and at some nothing, point. And there's nothing. I don't see anything in Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm just trying to look this up real quick here because he uh, says this uh, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. Runs away. The wolf snatches him. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for him. I have other sheep that do not belong to this field. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For the reason uh, no one... T- so so anyway, it's mostly about how he's going to lay down his life for his sheep, but I've always been fascinated with this little, I have other sheep that don't belong to this field. Right. In other words, you know... it. Everybody doesn't have to be Christian. Sure. Uh, I think even Jesus would say that, really. Uh, yeah, that's great. I actually, uh, what's the reference for that? It's John 10, John chapter 10. Okay. And the other sheep verse is, um, uh, I have other sheep, where is it? Uh, 16, 10, okay. 16. Great. Yeah, I'll John make a note of that. Um, 
That's very interesting to hear. And yeah, I know a, a, another thing that Jesus warned about is uh, to beware of false prophets. Yeah. And these uh, loud-mouthed, uh, supposed so-called Christians um, are exactly what he was talking about in Scripture when he was around and talking about beware of false prophets. Uh, Ted Haggard, who mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, outspoken against all sorts of, you know, drugs and alcohol and homosexuality, then he himself was caught with meth and male prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Or you know um, the 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 Westboro Baptist Church, Fred Phelps, uh, Fred Phelps, the late great Fred Phelps, who you know recently passed away, um, and even guys like uh, Ricker in a giant football arena, a day of prayer, uh, while he was campaigning, he did this, and that's another thing Jesus specifically spoke against. He said, "When you pray, go, go home, in your closet, go in your closet, turn <laughs> the lights off, don't tell anybody you went there, don't exactly. You know, if you're praying into a microphone in a sold out arena just for people." to hear your words you're not praying to anyone but yourself exactly, exactly. and so yeah. um i think that that's where a lot of people uh kind of you know get off track and they they uh it's a total misrepresentation of christianity anyway mm-hmm. these people are false these people aren't christian but that lab- they take that name and they take that label mm-hmm. and so that's sort of you know i think what's driven a lot of people away from exactly. any sort of faith today tell me yeah i mean um, i feel like i have to do so much Repairing work, you know, because of the damage the churches, some churches do to people. Right. Um, that they they get so hurt. They and I did this myself. I I uh, felt like oh, it's so wrong. I was out of church for twelve years. You know, just really feeling like it's got nothing to do with me. There can't be a God and all that. Sure. Um. And and I think that's because of these destructive churches who represent God. Say they represent God and Christ and stuff. And what they're they're really. <laughs> yeah, I think they are because no, they totally agree. they yeah. take people away and they and they make people miserable and and the people that are in them aren't happy. I mean, if you I mean, it's not like it leads to happiness because you look at Fred Phelps or Ted, right, they're miserable kind of absolutely kind of so yeah. And then you you know like Ted Haggard's the perfect example where you find out down the road that he didn't even believe anything he said. He didn't practice it himself, and um, usually the people who are speaking out the loudest or the you know the ones that you need to sit you know you need to say hey are you leading really by example or are these just Mm -hmm. empty words you know are you just trying to get tv ratings and people to donate to your Mm -hmm. show Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's really encouraging to know that there's pastors and churches out there who are Mm -hmm. you know just real and uh, understand all these sort of things um so for any listeners who might want to get more involved at rockbridge christian uh how how could they do that when are your services usually our services are Sunday morning at 1045 uh, at 301 West Green Meadows Road and it's uh, come as you are it's you know you don't have to get dressed up or anything cool um, and um, yeah that'd be the best way great just, just come by some Sunday morning you don't have to know anything you don't have to you know think you have the answers or even have the questions just sure yeah, it's a very friendly and informal kind of setting. So. Great. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy Easter week to kind sure. of sit down and talk to me. And um, I want to thank all the listeners for tuning into this one. Like I said, thanks so much. Well, there you have it. That's the 420 episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did uh, making it. Uh, if you want to find out more about Rockbridge Christian, then take a look at the link in the show notes. I also got a couple other fun links up there, so check it all out. Also, thanks to my man Big Rob for supplying some of that transition music that I've used in the past two episodes. Uh, He is uh, ridiculous on SoundCloud, and I'll have a link in the show notes for that as well. So thanks so much for listening. May your bowls burn ever brighter.